Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rick, we are two days, thank you Jesus, away from the 2023 (laughs) NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 42. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's my guy, Rick Spielman. More than 30 years of NFL experience, more than 10 years as the Vikings general manager. And Rick, you like to give me the business because I've taken to calling these players young men. Today, taking it a step further. We're going to talk about our favorite fine young men in this draft class, both the big names and some sleepers to keep an eye on throughout the draft weekend. Uh, first, a few things. Our final with the first pick mock draft is in the feed. We did that yesterday with that guy, Josh Edwards. And on Wednesday evening, Rick and I will be doing a live chat, taking your questions, which reminds me, Rick, if you got a question, send them to Debo. You can do it on Twitter. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on the YouTube page. It does not matter. Debo will find them, and we will try to talk about them. And finally, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, we'll go live. <laughs> I mean, geez, oh, pizza. We'll go live to recap that day's action. And it will also be simulcasted on CBS Sports HQ on Friday and Saturday. So you'll get to see me and Rick and something other than a hoodie. And Rick in his, uh, you can break out your finest Gallibera. Debo, look at that. He's got Gallibera's shirt number five on, I believe. This one actually is the best of the bunch. What do you think of this one, Debo? I, I like the one from Monday a little bit better. The blue one with a little champagne glasses. <laughs> All right. I think you're getting better. I think is the overall takeaway. If you're listening, unfortunately, you have to go to YouTube to see Rick's latest fashion statement. And um, somehow, Rick, you're you're handsomer than you were the day before. So I give you credit for that. I asked you this uh, in between breaks while we were talking to some of these players earlier today, Rick. Are you more exhausted as a media member in the run-up to the draft, or were you more exhausted at this point in the process when you were general manager? Uh, today, I'm more exhausted as a media member. <laughs> so, pizza. Thank yeah, you that. no, it's been uh, it's it's unbelievable. And my first experience actually going through this cycle on the media side. And the thing that I enjoy the most when you're with a team, you're just so honed in on what you need to do. You're you're aware of what's going on and you have to be aware of team needs and potential movement up and down what potentially can happen. But Basically, you are like locked in and loaded on what you have to do to get your team better in this draft. Here, we have to be locked in and loaded on 32 teams on what they have to do to get better for this draft. And the other point I want to make is that apparently Debo ran out of T-shirts because this Mm. is the first time in a while we do not have a guest because we couldn't offer him a T-shirt to come on this podcast. Mm. Debo, I need you to, to be better. 
And uh, Rick, can you tell Debo uh, what how you experienced me having a mini meltdown earlier earlier today when we had a little? Oh my God, I I, yeah, I thought I was with Pete talking about Will Levis trying to defend himself. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I was like mild mannered Ryan, and we got along so great. And I saw this evil side come out today. Horns coming out of his head. He had fire breathing coming out of his nose and his mouth. It was something that you do not want to see. And thank God it's over because <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you would put your kids and children to bed. Oh, you wouldn't want to see what came out of Ryan Wilson <laughs> earlier today. Rick, sometime off air, I got to tell you about the epic Ryan Wilson meltdown oh. of, of draft night 2020. So about 30 minutes after you picked Justin Jefferson, um, <laughs> our our buddy Ryan had an had an all time meltdown. That all I, I can't really share it on air. That's that's as simple as I can say it. Debo might still have it somewhere in the archives because he likes to save. Uh, he likes to keep the receipts that the kids say that I had I had to work through something work through some things that that night. Uh, today was just a mini meltdown, Debo. It wasn't anything that bad. Although Rick. I don't think was impressed with my pain. Well, when you're the quarterback and the star of a show, you can't let them see you sweat. You have oh, to boy. be cool and calm through all situations. And that <laughs> I'm here as a supporting actor, as a supporting friend to help you get through your anger management issue that I did not know that you had. Let that be a lesson to you, Rick. The next time you question one of my cops, that's all I'm going to say. Oh, I, I, I still want to question them. <laughs> the, the, they don't bother me one bit. <laughs> I was going to say you, you've seen some things. What I did today was nothing. All right. Before we get going here, Rick, remember you can watch us uh, on YouTube at NFL on CBS and anytime uh, to see our ever growing list, excuse me, of the individual seven round mock drafts that Rick and I have done. We've done some with Josh Edwards. I did the Steelers one with BMAC. So we fired up the old mock draft simulator and made every pick for your favorite team. You can check that out on YouTube at NFL on CBS. And finally, for even more. Oh, I'm gonna do that. I'll do that talk later. That's about the uh, the newsletter. So that that'll be that's a tease, Rick, as they say. All right, let's get to it. Before we talk about these fine young men, and that's a little inside joke because I call all these guys young men, and Rick makes fun of me. And I'm at the point in my life, Rick, as someone who is in their late 40s, that I can't call these. 20 21 year old kids i feel like that's maybe a little disrespectful on some level but even though it's, it's sort of an easy shortcut so i call them young men but before we talk about that and our buddy pete prisco who is the biggest will levis fan on planet earth was was texting us this this morning will levis went from 50 to 1 to go number one now he's down to 10 to 1 to go number one overall i'll ask you one simple question are you buying it will levis going first overall Absolutely not. I think it, it's a it's a Pete Prisco uh, media play trying to grab negative attention towards himself so he can get more <laughs> angry followers to tweet him on how he is out of whack uh, with his opinion. Um, so I think this is just all the smoke that happens right before the draft. But I would be shocked if Bryce Young wasn't the selection for the Carolina Panthers. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, the, the lines have moved even further. Now it's four to one for Will Levis. So make of that what you will. But I think you're exactly right. And, and by the way, so when you were in the front office, none of this stuff faced you. If someone tweeted out that Will Levis is now the favorite and you had the 12th pick or whatever, you didn't you didn't care one way or the other. Is that right? No, no, because there's a lot. And I will not admit that I've been involved in any of the smoke that's been out there before <laughs> the draft, but I've seen plenty of smoke that's been out there before the draft. So you kind of take it all in stride. You come up with your game plan, what you want to do, and then you try to execute it the best you can on draft night. Right. So this is more just uh, – this is 
odds related gambling media stuff. I mean, it's great because it gets the fans all riled up. People are uh, with pitchforks and torches out of Pete's outside of Pete's house right now uh, with his revelation that Will Levis and all the 22 excuses that he made oh, gosh. justify the pick. <laughs> yeah, so Pete and I were on HQ on Monday. I tweeted out the clip of him defending Will Levis, and, and Rick tw- retweeted it today and said, uh, Pete has lost his mind, which I think is, is a fair assessment. Even though you're not a medical professional, I don't think you need to be to know where Pete is on that. So anyway, Will Levis is creeping up the old um, – Gambling draft board, if you will, to be the first quarterback taken. I am with you. I think it's Bryce Young. I I have heard that the Panthers are are not on Will Levis at all. In fact, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The only team I've heard that likes Will Levis with an early pick that needs a quarterback are the Indianapolis Colts at four. And I think if C.J. Stroud's there, they're going to take C.J. over Will Levis. But we'll find out together on Thursday. So that's something to look forward to. The other big news related to quarterbacks, Rick, Aaron Rodgers finally traded to the Jets, and you – predicted that they're not giving up that that first round pick the 13th overall pick the Jets had in order to to get Aaron Rodgers what ended up happening uh, a bunch of compensation down the line but they swapped the 13th pick with the Packers 15th pick and does that feel a little more palatable in terms of making that deal yeah and uh, let me uh, try to cut through this because I spent some time taking our trade chart that we had used that is an uh more of an updated version of what Jimmy Johnson had used when it all started and all these teams uh, actually used the trade chart. But you're looking at a lot of picks that were flopped. So 13 and 15 were flopped. The fifth and sixth rounder in this year's draft were flopped. So they don't lose a pick. They just are changing positions uh, in the draft. And then they gave up their second round pick. Now the caveat is that if he plays 65% of the time this year, that that second round pit next pick next year could go to a first round pick. So, uh, but when you add it all up and just look at this year's draft, in essence, when you add all the points up and you hash through everything, it equated to the second round pick number 38 overall in this year's draft for Aaron Rodgers. And then plus what happens next year. But that's yet to be determined. And if you're the New York Jets and you make this move, you're not making it to hopefully be picking in the top 15 or even top 20. You're making it because you're hoping you're picking last in next mm-hmm. year's draft. So equate, equate that to another second-round pick because there's only a couple hundred points, if that, spreading between 29, 30, 30, 132, and then the top of the second round. So in essence, it could eventually, if it goes the way that the Jets are predicting it's going to go, and their Super Bowl odds are shooting out way up since the addition of Aaron Rodgers, that technically it's going to be two second-round picks if you if you want to look at it that way. Right. Uh, I'll ask you this simple question. Who do you think, from the perspective of 24 hours out, won the trade, quote-unquote? Uh, we'll determine that. I don't know if it's determined yet. If I'm going to ask you a question, uh, if you're not going to snap my head off since you're very edgy today. I so. <laughs> ask politely. <laughs> I am going to ask her, Mr. Wilson, with all due respect and how much respect I have for you, <laughs> if the New York Jets win the Super Bowl next year, 
and Aaron Rodgers wins that and then retires, do you think it was worth it? 100%. That's the, that's the plan, right? That's why you're doing You're pushing all your chips into the middle of the table. They have People are trying game. to say now that the Rams have sort of shot themselves in the foot. The Rams won the Super Bowl. That's, right. That was the plan. Yeah, and now they're rebuilding, and it's going to take time to rebuild, but they have a ring on their finger. Right. And that's the whole objective of playing in this league is to say you're a world champion. And, you know, people go about it different ways, but not a lot of people have a uh, Super Bowl ring on their finger. And the Rams were able to do that. And I think the Jets are trying to accomplish that with this move. Since you won't say it, I will. The Packers won this draft as we sit here right now, because as you point out, if Aaron Rodgers retires next year and they don't win the Super Bowl, the Jets, then it certainly feels like a slam dunk home run to mix metaphors there for the Packers. But just looking at the compensation, and I'll go through it quickly here. The Packers got the 13th pick, just moving up to two spots. They got the second-round pick this year, which is number 42, and also a sixth-round pick. And then, as you mentioned, that conditional second-rounder that becomes a first-rounder next year should Aaron Rodgers play 65% uh, or more of the offensive plays. And then, of course, Jets got Aaron Rodgers, moved down two spots, got the 15th pick, and then the first-round, excuse me, fifth-round pick in this year's draft. So on paper, it leans Packers, but, you know, if Aaron Rodgers decides to play like Aaron Rodgers for 17 weeks and into January and February, it, that the Packers compensation won't, won't matter, I don't think. No. And then uh, another interesting tidbit, if I may add to this podcast that wasn't <laughs> scripted by Debo, if I can go off script here Please. for a second, is that now let's look at people would say, well, they only moved down two spots. They flopped 15 and 13. And the Jets are now at 15. And one of the Jets' biggest needs is at the offensive tackle position. And now that they're at 15, let's look at the teams ahead of them. You have the Bears at number nine that can take an offensive lineman. You have the Titans, I believe, at number 11, they can take an offensive lineman. Yep. Let's throw the Packers in now. Maybe they give them a uh, thank you very much because Bakhtiari <laughs> being injured – and by the way, the 12th pick is also the Texans, so go ahead. Yeah, so uh, they go offensive tackle, and then right in front of them, the New England Patriots, another division foe, takes Darnell Wright. So if you had Skaronsky, the offensive tackle from Northwestern off the board, Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle from Ohio State off the board, uh, Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from – Georgia off the board, and Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle from Tennessee off the board. Because there's going to be run a run mm -hmm. on these offensive tackles right in that area. And between 9 and 15 or 14, you can see all these offensive tackles go. So where do the Jets turn, in your opinion, if the number one need for them is tackle? And I have a theory. Uh, and let's say they don't trade up. What direction do they go if they got shut out by the offensive line? And because Becton has not been reliable. Now, I can't remember what guests we have on. Debo books guests left and right on this show. We ran out of T-shirts. Yeah, we ran out of T-shirts, although we and you didn't get one. We, we got a nice golf shirt, but that was it. There's only two in existence right now. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost my track because of the T-shirt thing, Debo. Uh, you have some theories about what the Jets might do. You mentioned Makai Becton. Yeah, well, Becton uh, has not been reliable, has not been able to line up. He has durability issues. He has weight issues. So they do have to fill that need, in my opinion. 
But let's say, worst case scenario, you lost offensive all the offensive linemen. I want to get your opinion on this. If they go because they need help on the defensive line as well, and can you see them going Cansey, the under Ooh. tackle from Pitt that's going to help them as a pass rusher, and you say, well, let me team him up with Quinn and Williams, and now we're on a roll. Do you that like is- that idea or not? I do like it. When you mentioned defensive line, my, my mind went to another place, and I'll say that in just a second. But I do like the idea of helping, and I'm guessing your theory is you take some of the pressure off Cansey having to do it by himself because you have Quinn and Williams next to you, and he is as twitchy as they come as well, and he's obviously bigger and longer. And then Cansey can be sort of the, I don't even know what you would call him, uh, sort of the scat back defensive lineman who can create, uh, can win with speed and quickness. That's interesting. Uh, let me throw this back at you. What about, would you rather have Cancy there or would you rather have Lucas Van Ness? Um, Lucas Van Ness is bigger, has higher upside. I don't know. He's a true defensive tackle. Right. Uh, if you're going to do that, then you're going to have to bulk him up uh, to play inside because he's not big enough right now to play uh, every down inside. So maybe they uh, take him and potentially slide him inside uh, in nickel pass rush situations, but you still haven't solved your defensive tackle issue as a need. I'll, I'll throw another one at you then. Would you take Cancy here? And the issue with Kalaja Cancy out of Pitt is that he has really, really, really short arms, sub 31 inch arms. Or would you take, roll the dice on Brian Brzee, who we've talked about in the past out of Clemson? Bad tape last year, but there are a ton of reasons for it, and you would expect him to bounce back. Yeah, because he's bigger, he's more athletic, um, maybe not as polished as a pass rusher as Cancy, because Cancy is a one gap penetrator. They'd have to adjust some of the things they do on defense to fit his skill set, but that could be a possibility too. So there may be other options, but you're still, you have to come up with an alternative in case you were planning on getting one of those four offensive tackles or potential guard and Skaronsky, however you want to look at it. But after that, to me, there's a drop off. Now, what about this? We know Sauce Gardner is Sauce Gardner. Is Debo but- going to yell at us because we're getting off script and Debo stayed up all night writing a script for us? That No, he loves this. Following- he loves getting Rick's insights, and we'll get to the script in a second. What about this? Let's say there's a run on offensive tackles and you're sitting there at, at 15 as the as the Jets. Would you take, let's see, let's see, Deontay Banks, for example, if Devin Weatherspoon and Christian Gonzalez are gone? Yeah, I mean, you're going to look at all your options. That's what you're going to meet on right now, now that you have this. And now that you know you're not at 13, you're now at 15, which changes the whole dynamic. And like I said, from the outside, oh, it's two spots. It's not going to make a difference. But in reality, that changes your whole draft strategy. And if you were planning on getting an offensive tackle that may not come uh, to fruition, then now you better have some alternatives in which direction are we going to go and some players that were not in play a week ago all of a sudden are becoming in play now. And I'll ask one last question before we move on to find young men. It, knowing the Aaron Rodgers thing was going to happen at some point, do you think the draft meetings for the Jets the last three weeks or whatever have been with the understanding that that 13 pick might change, or are you just going with what you know and then you adjust on the fly? No, you're probably knowing it's going to happen because they knew it was going to happen. I mean, Joe Douglas came out a couple of days ago and said it was going to happen, and you knew it had to happen before the draft because if Green Bay wanted to get the compensation they wanted, you wanted it to be a part of this year's draft. So that had to get done. I'm sure 
I don't know if the compensation or where they were in an agreement was that Green Bay just still fighting to get the 13th overall pick, which the Jets were not willing to do. And you don't know when this deal came together. And maybe it was together two weeks ago and they were trying to finalize the 2024 draft compensation. But if you knew it, then you were already pre-planning for this potentially happen. Uh, Joe Douglas would have probably came in. Listen, I think we're going to, everything's pretty much done. We have to figure out the 2024 draft compensation, but right now we're going to probably flop 13 and 15 with green Bay. So let's start looking at our options and make sure we have a game plan in place. By the way, worth noting, NFL Network's Mike Garofalo tweeted out earlier today that during his press conference, Joe Douglas said that the pick swap in round one from 13 to 15, which we've been talking about here, was, quote, one of the last things we we uh, had to, we agreed upon. Um, so that's what pushed that, that trade across the finish line. So I would imagine maybe there's a conversation about no swap there, but, but that's what happened. And maybe the reason that, that that was the last thing to get settled, Rick, is because for what we're just talking about here. Now you're moving down two spots. Now the offensive linemen are much more tenuous in terms of being available at 15. And maybe you have to target other needs when offensive line is probably the top of the list and you're losing the second round pick uh, that goes to green Bay. Very interesting this time of year. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break. And we come back. We'll talk about these fine young men in the draft class. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, for even more draft content, subscribe to the With the First Pick newsletter, formerly known as the Pick 6 newsletter, which Chris Terpasso has hijacked from John Breach for the month of April. Each weekday, traps hit your inbox with the draft news and notes you need to know. Sign up at cbssports.com slash newsletters slash pick six. All right, Rick, let's get into these fine young men, the finest young men, if you will. And uh, Rick, uh, Debo, do you have Rick in my list? Are we just going through it? How do you want to do this? Well, first, I was going to jump in and remind Rick that he was banned from accents until after the draft because oh. we have a lot of new listeners. So I wanted to bring up that point. Um, <laughs> first, what are you talking about, my fine young man? <laughs> oh, that's his English accent. He's been working on it because he's got to do some stuff for Sky Sports. I look forward to that coverage. Ryan, I'm going to share the list and you guys, you guys tackle it. All right, let's do it. If you're watching YouTube, this will be easy. If you're listening, I'll go through the list quickly, and then Rick and I will talk about a few names here. So this is uh, sort of our favorites. These are guys that a lot of people obviously have heard of and a lot of people like, and we'll talk about a few of them here. Both Rick and I have Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama, on that list. I think we've talked Bryce to death. Um, There's actually a a, – if you're watching on YouTube, you can go to the – at NFL on CBS – 
uh, YouTube page and see an interview I did with Bryce recently. Pete missed it. Pete was very sad. Bryce was very sad. Excuse me, Rick missed it. Rick was sad that he missed Bryce, and Bryce was equally as sad that he missed Rick. But we talked a little bit about uh, his future. Let's see. You have Will Anderson on your list, the edge rusher out of Alabama. Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback at Illinois. Peter Skaronsky, the tackle at Northwestern, who we just spoke about, as well as Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher out of Iowa. Jameer Gibbs, running back out of Alabama. John Michael Schmidt, the center out of Minnesota, who has a chance to go perhaps to the bottom of the first round. Will McDonald, the fourth, the edge rusher at Iowa State, 35-inch arms. Dayon Henley, who we've also talked about, talked about it quite a bit on this podcast, linebacker out of Washington State, had a really good season last year. And Tank Bixby, running back out of Auburn. So, Rick, I'll, I'll ask you some names on this list that I want to get your insights on. Let's start with Tank Bixby, because I don't know if we've talked about Tank since perhaps the Combine. Had a really good season at Auburn. What do you like about him? Yeah, well, just to clarify this finest young men award or whatever we're giving out, whatever Debo wants to call this thing, um, these are guys that are known not only excelling on the field, but I think they check all the boxes off the field as far as character, mental, everything that you want in a football player. A lot of these guys, I think, will even be better pros once they get in. But to hit on Tank Bigsby, I don't think he's gotten a lot of attention out there because of how deep the running back class is. But when I watched him on tape, I saw a big physical back that moves very well, excellent vision. He's always going forward on contact. He has breakaway speed in the open field. He can catch the ball. Uh, he's also, they don't ask him to do much, but I think he'll be more than willing because of his size and pass protection. And I think this guy is going to be a, I don't want to call him a sleeper because everybody knows him. And I think he'll go by Friday, but this guy's going to make an impact on whatever team ends up drafting him. I had a mid to early third round grade on Tank Bixby. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. You're going to bite my head off if I do mm -hmm. anything today that says that, boy, I really respect you, Ryan, for all the work and effort and energy you put into this podcast and all the work you do to get prepared for the draft. But he so, may go earlier than that. Yeah, he might. He might. And the reason I mention that is because on my list, and I'll read through it in a second, but I'm not going to read it all right now. One of my list members for the, the favorites, as we call it here, Rashawn Johnson, the running back out of uh, Texas. And I have him, and maybe this is crazy, Rick, but we, we talked to him in the combine. Great guy. He's a hard worker. I've said before, low mileage, which means he hasn't carried the ball a lot because he's behind B. John Robinson. Special teamer, works hard. I have him as my running back three, and maybe that's crazy. I have him going like mid to late second round. Where are you on Roshan in comparison to Tank? Um, boy, that's a tough call. I think there's a lot of discussion in draft rooms going back and forth. Uh, they both are very talented. One, a little less, uh, as you said, tread on the tires in Roshan Johnson. I think Tank Bisbee, Bigsby may be a little more explosive from a speed standpoint. So since I'm killing you on these $1 bets, let's do another <laughs> side bet here. Oh, I love it. This is a good one. Go ahead. I will take a dollar that Tank Bigsby goes before Roshan Johnson. Okay. That, I think you're the favorite on that, but I, I got faith in Roshan. I love Roshan. I like Tank, too. Don't get me wrong. But um, Roshan, I think, has a chance to be a really good football player. As Pete likes to say, and by the way, Rick and I just spoke with B. John Robinson for a few minutes, and, and he's a really interesting young man. There's a young man for you, Rick. Uh, Rick thinks that Bijan, or excuse me, that uh, Pete thinks, Pete Prisco, our buddy, thinks that Roshan has a chance to be better than Bijan. We shall see. They're both guys, both great football players. Bijan's going to go much earlier. That I so, do not. 
Now, one thing I learned about Pete, he's going on all these, this publicity stunt tour on all the outrageous <laughs> accusations and, and uh, declarations that he's making for this year's draft. And one of the things that I love about Pete is when you correct him or you provide uh, counter, counterfactual information, he just asks another question. He acts like he doesn't hear it. So that's that's <laughs> the best way to, to, be, to win an argument. Just keep going. All right, let's talk about um, Dayon Henley. I, I mentioned him a moment ago, and we've we've talked about him a little bit in the past. But the big conversation, especially recently, has been Jack Campbell, the, the linebacker out of Iowa. And, of course, we've been talking forever uh, about uh, Drew Sanders, the linebacker out of Arkansas, the transfer from Alabama who had a great season going from edge rusher to mostly off ball. What about Dayon Henley, who out in the Pac-12, a lot of East Coast guys don't stay up late and watch a lot of Washington State football, but – uh, he's been on the NFL's radar for a while. He, he had a really good season. Yeah, he, very interesting background. Uh, he was a quarterback in high school. Uh, I had an opportunity to interview him on a on another uh, show that I was doing. And <laughs> <Jesus>. this guy, <laughs> go on. And he said that he lined up at running back. He lined up at quarterback. He lined up receiver. He played corner. Uh, he played safety, and he played linebacker. And then he went to Nevada and, uh, you know, started out a little slow there, then had a very good year uh, before he ran, went into the transfer portal to end up in Washington State. And I asked him specifically, you had a good year in Nevada. And why didn't you just come out last year instead of taking a risk and going uh, into the transfer portal and, and going to play for Washington State? And he said, everybody that I talked to told me that I was probably going to be a Saturday pick. And I knew in my heart that I was a better player than that. And I want to prove people wrong. And I went to Washington State. He had a great year at Washington State. He's a three-down linebacker that not only can play the run, but he can cover. He can blitz through the A-gap. I think he's underrated because of all the, you, the, the athlete that he is from his background. The other thing that was interesting, his dad is very famous because huh. we asked him, who's going to be at your draft party? And he says, well, I think maybe Snoop Dogg will be there. His dad owns a uh, record uh, labeling company, uh, some kind of recording company out in L.A. Oh. Uh, so they're, they're out of Crenshaw. So they have a lot of celebrities in that area. So I imagine uh, his draft party, you'll see a lot of famous people uh, that are associated with his dad that will be there to celebrate when he gets drafted on Friday. I was going to walk off this podcast if you told me his dad was Don Henley. I was, <laughs> I was going to quit. <laughs> the singer, Don Henley? Yeah, the Eagles. Isn't he the member of the Eagles? The original member of the Eagles? That's oh. your jam. Wearing that shirt, Rick, you definitely know who the Eagles are. Eagles and Guy Berry go together like Eagles and Guy no, Berry. No, they don't. They're totally the opposite. Okay, so I have, I'm um, looking at my old big board here. I have Dayon Henley as a mid to late second round pick. How do you feel about that? I love that. Okay, perfect. I love when I get angry, you start agreeing with me. I got to do this more often. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk quickly about Will McDonald, and then we'll get over to my list here before we take another break. Six, three and a half is what he came in at the combine, 241. We talked the other day when I said he weighed 141 pounds. He's going to have to gain probably 10 pounds, I think, is, is where we came down. But 35-inch arms, the 82 and 3-8-inch wingspan, those are what gets your attention. And you've said it for weeks now. He, You got to play him outside. You can't play him over the tackle or, or four-eye, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, this guy is an outside edge guy and I don't want to make a monster out of him, but I think this guy, uh, not only the high character and 
the passion for the game and how hard he plays when you watch him on tape. But if you put him in position to do what he does best, and that's get upfield and rush the passer, he has unique size, he has unique length, he has unique speed, and he plays his rear end off when you watch him on tape. So this guy was not only a high character guy for me, he aced all the tests that he's been through through this pre-draft process. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and be one of those top edge rushers before his NFL career is done. I have him as a late one, early two. You think he was higher than that, perhaps? I don't know. It's going to be interesting because, you, I mean, just all the stuff that you hear out there. And I know we were on a text chain today and you're hearing Nolan Smith's going to be running up the draft boards and Philly loves him at number 10, which I'm sure Debo is very excited about. Um, But I think once the bigger defensive ends go, and I think, you know, it would be interesting to hear some of these draft conversations. Another guy that we have not talked about is, uh, uh, was it the, uh, I'm sorry, it's losing my mind. I've got so many names in my head. The defensive end from Georgia Tech. Keon, Keon White. White. Yes. So take a guy like De- uh, Keon White that's going to have his hand in the dirt, uh, that probably play the run a little stronger, uh, give you some inside pass rush, or do you take a guy like Will McDonald who can't do some of the things that White can do, but he can also be pretty unique as a pass rusher off the edge? I'm. It's funny you mentioned Keon White because I was looking at where I had these guys graded here. I have Noel Smith as a late one. I have Keon White as an early two, and Will McDonald, as I mentioned, early two around that range. Of those three guys, who are you taking if you need edge rusher? Uh, I, I, I'm i going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to go Will McDonald. I, just, I don't even uh, know if that's a limb. Yeah, well, you're talking about uh, – I'm, I'm sorry, I lost you there uh, when you said Will McDonald, and I tuned out the other two names that you said. Keon White uh, and Nolan Smith. Oh, Yeah. But Nolan Smith's getting all the attention right now uh, because he ran four three nine at the combine. Yeah, and he does play hard, but he missed a lot of time. Right. So, but I just I, there's something about Will McDonald the fourth that I really like as a football player and as a person. I like Will McDonald, Will McDonald the second, the third, and the fourth equally. I just want to be on record as saying that. All right, let's talk a little bit about my list here. I mentioned uh, Bryce Young. Rick and I have him. I mentioned Roshan Johnson, my running back out of Texas that I really like. A couple other names I'll highlight here, and you can see it on on the YouTubes. Peter Skaronsky. Rick and I both had him. And then some names that Rick didn't have, but I've talked about before, and Rick is coming around on one of them for sure. Sidney Brown, safety out of Illinois. (laughs) Firecracker. Ran in the four fours. I don't know if he played four four fast, and the issue is the length. Uh, he'll hit you in the run game. The issue is can he run with tight ends down the field? I think he can run with running backs and, and in coverage. He has that that ability and coverage. But your concern, I would imagine, is uh, the second and third levels not coming downhill and run support, right? Right. And my biggest concern with him, he is a very good football player. They played a lot of man coverage with him. I mean, he had a uh, he'll line up and, and fight any tight end in the passing game. Uh, he's more than willing as a hitter to come down. My biggest concern, and I couldn't get a feel for it, was if he has to line up as a deep safety and he has to play in cover two or half coverage or if he's the free safety in a cover three or one high uh, look, does he have the athletic skill set 
and the length to still be able to function the way he does the way they played him at Illinois. Yep. No, that's a fair point. And it's rare that you see a smaller free safety in the NFL. I have him going uh, early day three. You okay with that? Or do you think he sneaks into back of day two? Uh, it depends on when the run on the safeties are. I believe the Texas A&M kid, uh, Antonio Johnson will go before him. Yep. Uh, you know, Branch, uh, you know, the other, his partner, it'll be interesting to see. We may have a dollar bet on this and I will give you the opportunity to uh, get a dollar back. Okay. If you're in your draft room and you need a safety, are you going to go with Quad Martin or are you going to go with Sidney Brown? Both of them coming out of the University of Illinois. I'm going with Quan Martin. I have him listed with my cornerbacks because he plays primarily slot, but I have him going in the middle of the round of second round. Okay. So so I'm going around and change higher than than Sydney. It's amazing how you drop off of guys the more we talk. What are you talking about? Sydney Brown's just small. That's the only thing he has going against him. I love him. Okay. I'm not gonna take him in the first round. No. Are you gonna take him? You're gonna take uh, Martin over him? Yeah, so are you. <laughs> yeah, well, that, the, me, yeah. I don't know. you. The way you talked about Sidney Brown, I thought he was the next coming of uh, Bob Sanders. I'm here to uplift everyone. Speaking of a smaller type player who I absolutely love, Marvin Mims, wide receiver, Oklahoma. And we talked to him at the Combine. He's probably one of the smartest guys you'll talk to. Incredibly hardworking. Uh, huge numbers. Offer something in return game. He can play inside or out, but Rick, I know you. he has to be inside only because of the size of the next level. Um, what do you think about Marvin Mims in terms of that cluster of guys we talked about with the Tank Dells and the Trey Turners and the Tyler Scotts? Yeah, they're all talking about him, but don't forget about this kid. This kid has uh, excellent route running ability. He's fast. He ran fast at the Combine. Uh, very good hands. He has explosive playmaking ability. Maybe needs to get a little stronger. Um, but I think he's going to come in and make an impact immediately for a team uh, when he uh, when they draft him. So would you take – these are different type players, but I, I'm just looking at – I have Marvin Mims going in the middle of third round, and that's primarily because of the size. If he were taller, he would go higher. Would you take Jalen Hyatt, home run hitter, who's a little taller, or Marvin Mims, who's more versatile? Uh, Hyatt's going to go before Mims. I'm not going to bet you that. But I'm yeah, just, I'm just asking who you would take if you're if you wanted a a guy that you could rely on for the next five or six years or whatever. Well, Mims, I just I you know Hyatt has all this upside and potential, but as we talked about in previous podcasts, and he was a fine young man when we interviewed him on the uh, stage at yeah. the the combine and for talked sure. about Hendon Hooker and seemed to be very mature and seemed to get it, but he still was a one year wonder. Why hasn't he done it before? Would he have had the same production if Tillman, the other receiver coming out from Tennessee, would not have gotten hurt this year? But he did it. So you have to give him credit for that. But you're also betting that he will continue to ascend, uh, even though he did it for one year at Tennessee. Okay. One other name I want to talk about here, and then we'll go to break and, and hit our, our sleepers, is Tuli Pelotu. Thank you. Gosh. Tuli Tui Pelotu, that's his name. The defensive lineman from USC, 6'3 and a quarter, 266. He had 32 and a quarter inch arms, which feels plenty long enough. And he played mostly inside. Uh, and by that, I mean inside the tackle. And he played a little three tech, some two tech. Occasionally, they'd line him up at um, 
out wide too. So he has that versatility. I think he's going to have to gain some weight if you want to keep him inside. We're not really talking a lot about him. Uh, I'm looking at my grades here. I have him going in the middle of the second round because I like his quote unquote upside, but he had a little juice too. I don't know if you off the top of your head, remember what you thought about him. If not, I can tell you why I love him. Yeah. Well, of course I remember about him. I have, uh, I remember all these guys and I remember you talking about him in the fall. And uh, the only concern is that the size and he's kind of a tweener. He's not a pure edge rusher. He's not big enough to maybe hold up inside, maybe slide inside is a nickel rusher. Uh, he does have a knack for getting to the quarterback. You cannot deny his production. That's just where you line him up. And if you do start to bulk him up, is he going to lose some of that first step quickness that you see on tape? And if you put him outside, is he athletic enough to be a true legitimate edge rusher? Yeah, and I should say, you do remember all this stuff. I forget it. That's why I write it down. So I was projecting my inability to remember things on you, Rick. So I apologize. Interestingly, he was listed at 290 during the season uh, in the USC media guide. So I don't know if he weighed that at some point or that's just sort of fudging the numbers. But he weighed in at 266. And this is what I wrote in my notes. He's in the same conversation as Drake Jackson, who was drafted last year in the second round by the 49ers. I remember watching Drake Jackson and thinking, okay, I don't get the sort of day one, day two buzz. And then I had a, a scout say it's projecting. And it's the same thing we've said about Lucas Van Ness. I think Tui, Tui Pelotu is a better player than Drake Jackson coming out. Uh, and I think Jake Jackson actually had a really good rookie campaign. So he has the body type. The ability to add weight will be what ultimately determines where he plays, as you noted, Rick. Uh, but he's one of my sleepers that we haven't really talked a bunch about. The uh, other I'll mention real quick, we'll go to break. We won't touch on these guys because we talked about them before. Cody Malk. North Dakota State, love him. Play tackle in college is going to play inside at the next level because he has short arms. Corey Trice, we've talked a little bit about. We talked with him about him uh, with BMAC on the Cornerbacks and Safeties podcast. He's a cornerback out of Purdue. He may end up kicking inside. He, he's big, but he actually moves pretty well for his size. And finally, Juice Scruggs, the center out of Penn State. He'll probably be center five, depending on how the others go off the board. Uh, he's my center five. Teams may love, may have them stacked differently, but I thought he had a really good season for, for Penn State. And um, I think our guy Pete mentioned that teams actually are, are higher on them than some media folks. So we shall see. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, talk about our sleepers. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+. Plus, and for the first time ever... I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. All right, finest young men. These are our sleepers. Rick, your list. I'll read it off quickly. There are five names here. You can see it on YouTube if you're listening. Parker Washington, wide receiver out of Penn State. Chandler Zavala, Zavala, excuse me. Zavada. Uh, it is top. I thought it's. I think it's L. I think it's Zavala. Okay. Well, Debo had a typo, unless I typed it wrong, which I probably could have. Yeah, that's why I was trying to smooth it over, and then you called me out for saying it correctly. And now we have to talk about it. <laughs> Debo, can you give the correction, please? Was I, think I wrong, or were you wrong? I think I we both were. Oh, Ryan is right. 
but we were both wrong. Chandler Zavala, who, by the way, Rick, and I know that it's Zavala because his dad is a Food Network star. He's on Chopped. I believe he won it twice. So love Chopped. You love Chopped. Zavala, for yeah. some reason, didn't get invited to the combine. He played guard at NC State. He's a lot of fun to watch. Nick Herbig, the linebacker, edge rusher. He played outside at Wisconsin. Probably had to move inside at the next level. He went around 240. Brenton Strange, the tight end at Penn State. And finally, Jake, Jake Hayner. Quarterback out of Fresno. Let's start with Jake because we haven't talked about anything other than the top 4.5 quarterbacks for the last month. Tell me about Jake Hayner. And if he were two inches taller, he'd probably get drafted day two, right? And what I really like, he doesn't have the strongest arm. He doesn't is not the most athletic, but he just has a savvy about playing the position. And we talk about guys that are freak athletes, but do they know how to play quarterback? This guy is the opposite. He may not be the freakish athlete may not have the strongest arms, but he just has a knack for how to play quarterback. And I think he'll be a Saturday pick. I think he's going to help somebody as a backup. I don't know if he'll ever turn into a starter. My comparison to him was uh, Case Keenum after I watched him. Yeah, Case Keenum, 13-3. and He was the quarterback for that team, right? Yeah, and he's made a pretty good living as a backup for most of his career. Another name I want to talk about, and I don't know if we've talked about him on the podcast, but I watched him and I was blown away that no one was talking him up prior to recently, I guess. Brenton Strange, the tight end out of Penn State. I I will tell you that I have him as an early day three guy and his numbers. He is uh, almost 6'4", 253, and he ran a 4'7". What do you like about Brenton Strange compared to these other tight ends at the top of the class? Well, uh, I just loved his competitiveness. Um, I think they didn't use him as much on the line of scrimmage as a Y, uh, but they use him a lot as an H back. And when he gets out in the space, he is very competitive to finish. Once he locks on, he's athletic enough to adjust in space, uh, to moving targets, uh, plays like he loves the game. I think he's underrated as an athlete and pass protect and pass in the passing game. They don't have a great passing offense. You don't see him catching vertical balls down the field and a lot of things that you've seen Kincaid do when we talked about him, the tight end out of Utah. But when he caught the ball, when he had the opportunity, the Rick Freeze, Debo? Lost Rick. Wow, Rick. I'll get him back. All right. First time in. With the first pick podcast history, Rick got uh, disconnected. Yeah, Brenton Strange. I like him, too. He's actually on my list. You can see him there on the other side there. And I had, I love the fact that he could block well. Look at my notes here. Uh, his athleticism consistently pops on tape. As Rick mentioned, he played an offense that didn't have the best quarterback situation. Also, the quarterback situation in which Will Levis could not beat out Sean Clifford, but that's a conversation for another time. And in terms of my tight end rankings, he is my tight end number eight. Uh, as I mentioned, early fourth round, we know about Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta. We talked those guys up to death. Tucker Craft, I think, is the next tight end off the board. And then uh, Zach Kuntz, I like out of ODU, followed by Brenton Strange uh, to also go on day three. <laughs> Victor Garcia in the comments says, Rick is too swole. He lost his connection. Am I back? You're back, Rick. I'm sorry, I uh, ran out of quarter, so I've been on the internet here since 7 a.m. this morning. So I know I went and got some more quarters. Uh, you know, being unemployed and homeless is no way to go through life. But uh, we're You're making trying. it. 
We're yeah, so I had to fill some some airtime for Brenton Strange. So let's talk about Chandler Zavala because, again, how does someone like Chandler Zavala not get a combine invite? I don't know. Uh, usually uh, the combine invites will come from the combine scouts, whether the national scout or the Blesto scout. I know, I believe, year before he was injured and did not play a lot. Right. So he probably was not, not on a lot of people's radar. This kid is a big physical run blocker at the point. And I thought he showed up on tape when I watched him last week and how he finishes, where he needs some help. He's not overly athletic. He'll need some technique work because he wants to, uh, I would say, be over aggressive with his punch and pass protection. And he doesn't have the ideal feet to recover when he gets out of position. But you can't bull rush this kid. This kid has had a lot of buzz for a non-combine guy, and I know he's been on a lot of these pre-draft visits. Yeah, I think I heard a few weeks ago that it was 11-plus 30 visits, which sounds like a high number. Um, I don't know. That's not my lane, but it seems pretty impressive for someone who's going to combine. I have him as a mid-day two pick, somewhere between late second, early third. Is that too early? I think that's a little rich. I think he's okay. going to be borderline day three, early day four, depending okay. on what's left on the board. And just so you understand, Ryan, um, how draining 11 trips can be in the month of March. Yeah. We went on our little uh, pro day tour when we were in (laughs) Cincinnati to Columbus, where you ate like a savage at the (laughs) Denny's and they're still talking about it up in Columbus. Hey, I got my picture on the wall there though. (laughs) Oh my God. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and I've seen a lot of eaters in my day and my career as in the NFL. Nothing like I saw in Columbus that night at 11 o'clock. <laughs> then back to Cincinnati, through Atlanta, down to uh, Tuscaloosa, then back up through Atlanta to Cincinnati over to Kentucky. So we did that little three-day stint. And I remember you talking about how exhausting mm. that was. It was more exhausting for you because you were trying to find all of the, uh, how do you say it? coffee houses. Oh I yeah. Guess. That was, I love doing that. that. Your role in our little tour. And the one thing I did appreciate you became and gave me the knowledge of becoming a connoisseur of coffee. And I still don't know if I'm going to go down the espresso route because you I are. don't understand it. Uh, but I do like dark, rich, smoky, <laughs> earthy tasting <laughs> coffee. I found out. Uh, I got a coffee shop for you in Stanford too, as well. So I'll, I'll hook you up with that. All right. Let's, um, let me talk about my list of fine young men, sleepers version. Brenton Strange is also on my list. But let's go right to Christian Isian, safety out of Rutgers. Saw it off, as you like to say, but he's close to 200 pounds. Ran extremely well. Had a great vertical. He plays close to the line. He's on the line of scrimmage virtually all the time. You can say slot, but he's more of a in-between apex defender, if you will. What do you make of this guy? If, the, if he were 6'2", I feel like he's a top 75 pick, right? Who, 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 I was just curious between me and you, who came up with his name? Did I come up with it or did you come up with it? You were the guy. That was your guy. Oh, okay. Thank you. Now, (laughs) I should have taken credit for that one. No, you came up with it. You told me about him. Yeah. And I feel very privileged and honored that I actually gave you a guy that made your finest young sleepers list here on today's podcast. But he was fun to watch on tape. He lined up mostly over the slot. Uh, This guy, if you want to put a place with his hair on fire, uh, going 90 miles an hour for an undersized Nick, he'll come and hit you with everything he has. And he's not, 
He's short, but he's thickly built. Looks like right. almost a running back. I didn't see him in person, but on tape. But he can cover. Uh, he has the twitch to play underneath man. I don't know, you know, similar concerns we had with a guy that's going to go a lot earlier um, with the safety, Sidney Brown from Illinois. But I think this guy is going to make a team, even if it's a potential role situation uh, on defense. And I bet you he will be a demon on special teams. So that's the thing. I, he plays the run like he's much bigger. Would you take him um, middle day three or is that too rich? No, I think someone's going to take – when you start looking at your draft board and you're trying to identify these guys, and when you get fifth, sixth, seventh round, you're trying to find you know guys that you think come in and help your football team, even though they're not a starter, but if they can fill out a role. And you know, we always felt that when we drafted guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, every once in a while you get lucky and get a – you know, a starter, but those guys are the role players on your team. And they play just as an important role because those are probably going to be the guys that are going to help your special teams and your special teams help you win games. And if you do get your frontline guys hurt, a guy like this can probably step in, start three or four games. You probably wouldn't want him to be a 17 game starter because eventually he'll get exposed, but he can help you win games and, uh, certain parts of the season if he had a start, but he's going to definitely help you win games uh, as in coverage units uh, on special teams. So I don't know if you were in Minnesota yet, but I my comp for him it was incredibly difficult because of his size, and this player wasn't nearly as fast testing-wise as, as Isaiah. It was Tyrone Carter. Remember Tyrone Carter? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember the undersized safety out of the University of Minnesota. Yeah, Actually, Actually, end up having a carving out a pretty good career. I believe he uh, was he with BMAC and during the Super Bowl run, two thousand five and two thousand eight. He was on both those teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had a nice little career. Great guy. Uh, he came across. He came around the facility a few times because he lives back up in Minnesota. Okay, had an opportunity to uh, spend some time with him. But uh, great football player and great human being. Love to hear it. All right. Uh, I'll mention the rest of my list. And I'll talk about one more name here. Scott Matlock, the defensive tackle at Boise State. You and I and Pete watched him recently, and he uh, surprised us, I think, is a fair way to put it. He's going to get drafted probably earlier than most po- folks think. Michael Wilson, haven't talked about my guy, Michael Wilson, since the senior bowl, basically. Ran a 4-5-8. I think he has a chance to be a, a wide receiver four and special teams guy who can help out and maybe exceed expectations. And finally, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback out of UCLA, 6-1, ran in the four fives. Uh, had one of the fastest, quote-unquote, fastballs, if you will, the combine when they measured ball speed, I think only behind Will Levis. What do you think about Dorian Thompson-Robinson as a, as a day three, I don't want to call him a project, but as a, a guy who's going to come in and not start right away? Yeah, let me ask you, uh, just think it through it uh, comparison-wise, uh, because he is athletic, can make plays, he does have a strong arm. Question is decision-making at times and some of the things he goes through, but did he remind you at all of the backup quarterback at Baltimore? Oh, yeah, that that's a that's a good one. And yeah, and he went undrafted. Yes. The, the quarterback out of Utah whose name is escapes it, me right now. Is it Henley? Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley, Huntley. thank you. There you Huntley. go. Huntley. Yeah, so he Huntley. went undrafted. I think Thompson Robinson maybe he's a little more polished, but he also stayed next year. He had a COVID year, I think. 
And you talk about the decision-making. One of the things that I noticed in addition to that, he doesn't throw with anticipation, so he's less likely to force the ball because if he doesn't see it, he's not throwing it. But then that brings you back to the question, well, why are you making some of these throws that you decided to make that were into triple coverage? And and that's what you have to sort through. But I, I thought, like his USC game, he had four touchdowns and three interceptions, so you got to see the whole gamut, right. uh, the, good, the good and the bad. But I, I think he's intriguing in part because of the arm strength and the athleticism where we talk about Aiden O'Connell – he ain't beating anyone outside the pocket. If he doesn't win on the first three reads, that's going to be a wrap. Whereas this, with a DTR, you get a little versatility there. Are you, are you pretty impressed with my uh, ability to come up with comps right off the uh, top of my head? You, you've been doing this for a minute, so yeah, you should be able to. That's a good one, though. I think that's a good one. I think. He, do you think he's a little more polished than Huntley coming out? Yeah, I remember watching Huntley uh, uh, when he came out, and you seen the athletic, you seen a lot of the same traits, but then you see some of the head-scratching decisions right. that they make. So, And whether that gets corrected or not. But, you know, when he ends up in camp and he goes in there in the third quarter in a preseason game, <laughs> he's one of these guys that are probably going to, to light it up. And uh, not saying that they're the same, but similar to, you know, down in Miami last year, um, and he struggled when he had to start, but uh, Skylar Thompson. Yep. Absolutely. Up, uh, out of Kansas State last year uh, when he came in and he lit it up in the preseason and everybody was crowning him king, uh, but it came back to reality when he actually had to play. Uh, yeah. But he'll make a he'll make a good backup somewhere and develop into a backup. I don't know if he has the same savvy or sense for the quarterback position that Jake Hayner does, mm. uh, but he is also a more talented athlete than Jake Hayner. And that's the discussions we're having in the draft room, Rick. All right, that's it. That's a wrap on episode 42. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Thanks, as always, to my guy Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. And thanks to all of you out there for watching and listening. And we'll be back tomorrow. And don't forget, Rick, send us your questions, and we'll try to answer them on the old podcast. See you guys later. Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.